This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. everybody at the party is everybody's president at the party it's radio free albemuth and this film is lit hello and welcome back to this film is lit the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books we're back with another patron request our last not our last one for a while but is it do we have ones um, intervening because we have some of our own episodes coming up we don't have any patron requests coming up in June. Yeah. We have um summertime is more of like our own stuff. That's what I do, mean. Yeah, yeah, we do like the summer series and all that stuff. There are more coming up, but not immediately. I guess that was my point that yeah. we got a little bit of a break after this one before we get to another patron request cuz before too long we'll be getting to our summer series and we're doing some special stuff for the coming episodes which uh, we'll be announcing at the end of this episode. So stick around for that. We have all of our segments for this episode about Radio Free Albemuth, our fifth foyer into Philip uh, K. Fourth foyer full, into fourth, Philip K. Dix. Fourth. Blade Runner. Oh, Minor- boy. Minority Report. Minority Report. And the Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly. And then this one, yeah. right? Okay. So, yes, our fourth venture into Philip K. Dix canon. Uh, we got all our segments, so let's get into our first one. Let me sum up. Let me explain. There is too much. Let me sum up. So I think we can get away with one today. Sweet. Because, yeah, the book and the movie are similar enough. Sweet. Radio Free Albemuth. Albemuth? What did we decide on? Albemuth. Albemuth. I don't know. However you say it's fine. (laughs) Radio Free (laughs) Albemuth follows the character of Philip K. Dick. It's like GIF and GIF. However you say it is fine. Uh, follows the character of Philip K. Dick and his friend Nick in an alternate version of America that's even more explicit, explicitly fascist. Mm-hmm. Nick begins to receive messages from an entity known as Vallis, which ends up being a satellite from another solar system, but also might be God. Who knows? Because of these messages, Nick winds up orchestrating a plan to... Um, submit subliminal messages in music via his job as a producer with the goal of ousting the fascist President Fremont. However, that plan fails, ultimately. Uh, Nick is killed while Phil ends up in an internment camp. At the end, however, it's revealed that Vallis was successful in this plan through a different music company, and the youths of the land are all listening to the subversive subliminal messaging in the song. Yep, that's the movie. That's pretty much it. That's the movie. You could have just been describing the movie. My only con- uh, not not uh, disagreement would be that potentially, is it from a different solar system or is it from an alternate or re- like reality? Because um, I got the vibe that it was potentially from an alternate like 
parallel dimension? Unclear. Okay. Because they talk about how, like, in that dimension, the Nazis won. The, it's sort yeah. of his, uh, his, uh, his the man in the high castle yeah. <laughs> uh, universe or something, it sounds like. Because at least that's what PKD mentions in the movie. He's like, in their universe, the Nazis never won the war. Or Nazis won right. the war or whatever. Or could have won the war or whatever. I mean, in the book, they bandy about a lot of different theories. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit more of that than there is in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and to me, it seemed like the f- f- higher intelligent beings from another like solar system was m- more confirmed okay. than the alternate universe theory. But I will it is discuss that. I will say it is confusing because they do also mention in the movie that it's coming from somewhere and it's going to take even at light speed X amount of years yeah. to get here. Which implies that it's coming from within our universe, right. but just like far away. Right. Which does make it a little confusing because it does seem like like the implication that PKD gets to is that the reason that never mind. We'll get to some <laughs> of the details. But I, I wasn't clear exactly on what uh where this thing actually came from. You know what? Me either. Cool. So it's probably one of those things that takes maybe a second reading to really be able to digest <laughs> Or second viewing to really be able to digest Uh, a lot of the... Yeah, maybe. The sort of... I'm not saying you should read it again. I'm just saying to digest some of the more... um, It's a bit chaotic in its construction. Mm -hmm. and Yes, Yes, it is. So it's it's definitely one of those things that can be a little bit hard to to put together all the details. All right, we've got Guess Who this week. So let's go ahead and play that game. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Hey. She resembled the other Berkeley girls I used to see. Jeans, glasses, long dark hair, assertive loud voice, continually discussing politics. Okay. Uh, so other Berkeley girls. Uh, the, Ber- the Berkeley is where uh, Nick and I can't remember his wife's name. Rachel. Rachel uh, live. Uh, and she's from Berkeley, I believe. She does not have dark hair. Uh, she has blonde hair in the movie. But uh, assertive, loud voice, continually discussing politics. The only reason I'm going to say that I think this might be Rachel is because PKD in the movie explicitly uh, jabs at her one time about how she used. she's a socialist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Like, she's driving a BMW, and he goes, uh, socialists like you driving a BMW or something like that. Uh, so that, you know, a sort of hearkening back to their more outspoken political past, potentially, which is going to make me say that this is Rachel, even though she has dark hair and not blonde hair. It is Rachel. Yeah. Boom. And she is a pretty different character yeah. in the movie than she is in the book, which we will get to. Sweet. Dark haired, with green eyes, rather bright looking. PKD has a type. Um <laughs> So uh, I, I'm just g- glancing ahead and seeing that the third description is also of a woman, which makes it confusing because there's only two female, important female. Ca- no, no, that's not true. That's not true. There's three. <laughs> there's three. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that this is, boy, it's nothing there. Like it's yeah, dark haired, green eyes, rather bright looking. It could be either Alanis Morissette, uh, S- Sylvia, whatever her, uh, or, or Ramchek, or it could be the the fascist lady, uh, the Nazi. I can't remember her name. 
but uh, PKD sleeps with a, a, a Nazi. <laughs> basically yeah in, in this movie <laughs> and hopefully in the book we'll find out soon um and i it could be either of them those are the only really like two other like important female characters there, mm-hmm. there's, there's not that many characters at all like important characters in the movie period like right pkd nick and then like those three female character women characters i'm gonna say that that is the the, the fascist that is yes what's her name her name is vivian vivian what a fascist name. <laughs> she gazed at me through her rather thick glasses. She had a pretty pert face. <laughs> she was well-dressed and in good taste in a very modern way, a Southern California style. She had a little white hat on down deep in her Afro natural black hair. Okay. So there are no black characters in this movie. Yes. Uh, sorry, not main characters. Uh, there's probably a couple like ancillary yeah. background characters, but none of the main characters are black. They're all just white people. I would say this is based on the rest of it, though, that this is um, I'm getting a vaguely like our artsy vibe from it that would translate onto Alanis Morissette pretty well. Also, she only other like named female characters. So I'm gonna say that this is Sylvia Aramchek or whatever her name is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So they whitewashed her. Yeah, they whitewashed her <laughs> in the movie. Well done. I guess it's they probably like my bet would be that maybe they like just went around trying to get whatever like actual music artists they yeah, could. Yeah, whatever actual musician, female musician they, they could, could get. They could get to be in there. Yeah, movie. and Alanis Morissette is like the only person who said sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, would be my guess. Yeah. Like, maybe they tried other people and then, I don't know. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe they just whitewashed it. Still not a good look. No, not a great look. He was a callow lout. Fat-cheeked and sullen, with beetle brows and pasted-down black hair that looked greased into place, he wore a pinstripe suit and loud tie and two-tone shoes. He liked to wear a Stetson hat. (sighs) This doesn't track with anybody. I'd like to imagine this is PKD describing himself, (laughs) but but I don't think that's the case. Um, Callow out, fat-cheeked and sullen, beetle brows and... Pasted down black hair. Pinstripe suit, two-tone shoes. You like to wear a Stetson. Nobody wears a Stetson in this movie that I recall. Although PKD does describe other people, but that this wouldn't be Nick. At least not from the movie. None of this tracks on the Nick at all. I'm not saying it couldn't be, but it, none of it tracks on the Nick. Nick is like a conventionally attractive, some mm-hmm. actor, I don't know his name. Uh, but he doesn't have dark hair. He's not short. He's not... Uh, heavy he's he doesn't wear a cowboy hat he does eventually become a a record label it's like the only thing the stetson hat could track onto is he becomes a record executive Mm -hmm. and i like can see a record exec wearing a cowboy hat but i don't think he ever does in the movie and i don't know who else this would oh oh wait wait, wait. okay uh yeah yeah no this is i know who this is this is the president Right? Yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> it took me a second. He doesn't dress like this no. in the movie, but I, yeah, I, I yeah. see. It took once I got once I put it together and realized, yeah, uh, yeah. In the movie, he's just like a generic old generic white old guy. Like, it's it's Herschel from yeah. The Walking Dead without a beard and in a you know, yeah, it's like a normal suit, like, 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 like a, generically presidential. Yeah, but it does. I can see. Yeah, uh, it's a very. Um, <laughs> 
it's a very aggressive description, a very mm-hmm. uh, non-flattering description, mm-hmm. and I, that makes sense for the president because yeah. turns out PKD doesn't like fascists. Yeah, so. the uh, president Fremont in the book is maybe a lot more familiar to us here in 2021 than the movie version. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a little bit. Mi- if, yeah. you, if you get my drift. No, I get your drift. I get your drift. But this also, this movie would have been post, although I guess he doesn't dress quite as like obnoxiously or he didn't dress that obnoxiously, but the Stetson like, and he slightly less fashy tendencies. Uh, like this, this movie was post Bush. Like, yeah, you know, and so it would think that that would be their touchstone for, because that was like the previous, yeah, um, you know, right wing uh, president at the time. So I would think that that may may have been their would have been their touchstone for like. But I think they they actually went they decided to go more like Reagan. Yeah, is yeah. kind of the angle they went with it is what it felt like in the movie. Interesting, which also makes sense because it timeline it track anyways all right uh i've got a bunch of questions because i want to know what all was in the book and what wasn't so let's go ahead and find out in our next segment nicholas flamel is the only known maker of the philosopher's stone the what honestly don't you two read so we were just talking about president fremont in the film he shows up very early uh and he's he's preaching the the uh the good word the good news about how terrible a ram check is which i misheard as ram check the first like mm-hmm. eight times in the movie and then later was like wait it's a ram check yeah i could have swore they were saying ram check anyways it's not really important uh but he's he's giving a speech and he's talking about a ram check and how they're they're you know we're cracking down on them and they're we won't let these godless heathens uh take over a good red-blooded america and he they mentioned at one point after his broadcast that he's on his fourth term and think he may be running for a, an unprecedented fifth term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to know if that little detail about him, the, this the the breakdown of democracy to the point of the president <laughs> running for unprecedented amount of terms uh, because he's a fascist uh, was part of the book's narrative. He is president in the book. I don't recall any mention of his being on a fourth term, but I may have missed it or just don't remember it. He does get to be president through like shady means in the book. So there's that. Uh, He is initially able to get into politics by launching a smear campaign, calling his opponent gay. Nice. So he got elected the same way to my seventh grade. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But like, it's like that's like some real middle school, yeah, 2005 yeah. politics right there. And he gets into the Oval Office by clearing the field of any competition, either through like smear campaigns or by like straight up assassinating them. Okay, so he got into office by uh, ill-gotten means, mm-hmm. and there's no reason to think he wouldn't keep. Yes. Keep 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 on keeping on in the office. I mean, and they do say in the book that the only way to get him out of the Oval Office is, is in, in a casket. casket. So it is implied then that he yeah. either has been in the office for numerous terms or is they, they know like everybody's like, yeah, he's not going to leave. Yeah. OK. Uh, we cut eventually. We move forward at some point. This is after quite a few things have happened. In fact, uh, Nick has already been spoken to by Vallis at this point uh, and they're discussing it. Uh, he's discussing it with Philip. Phil his buddy Phil, PKD, 
and they're they're discussing this over a, a, a fun little game of pickup basketball with each other. And I really like the idea of Philip K. Dick playing basketball. And I wanted to know if it was from the book. Like, did did PKD write himself playing basketball? Was he a basketball player? I didn't see anything in <laughs> on Wikipedia about him being a, a hoop star, but I wanted to know if that's from the book. I, I don't recall that they ever play basketball in the book. That's disappointing. I'm sorry. So I, I do appreciate whoever wrote the screenplay, though, being like Philip K. Dick. Big Hooper loves loves shooting shooting free throws. <laughs> He's got terrible form in the movie, but he does he does make some shots. So <laughs> I don't know. It's just I wouldn't have like if you're gonna pick a sport for Philip K. Dick to play, I wouldn't be like basketball. Yeah, I don't know for whatever reason. It's just well, not what, the sp- what sport would you pick? None, to be fair, but like not basketball, like fencing. <laughs> like he might fence. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me Philip K. Dick was a fencer in his younger life. I'd be like, yeah, that probably makes sense. I don't I'm going to I'm going to go ping pong or ping pong. Yeah, that's a good like stoner sort of like dorm room yeah. kind, of, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think either of those, but not basketball. It's too physical. <laughs> it's, it takes too much skill and time and brat like. I mean, not that those, not that fencing isn't physical and take a lot of skill, but fencing is also like nerdy and weird. Like it's mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like he wouldn't be a basketball player. So we find out eventually that this, the universe we're inhabiting in this movie is, is an ultimate or an ultimate, an alternate reality to Mm -hmm. our universe, our, our reality. And the sense that we find out that in their universe, in their reality, uh, Mark David Chapman didn't assassinate John Lennon. He, they, there's an offhand comment about him killing, uh, Mick Jagger. Mm hmm. Which, again, implying that this universe that the Stoll story takes place in is not... Events have transpired differently than they have in our universe. And I wanted to know if that's the same idea that we get in the book. Is this, in fact... Do we have those some any reference to cultural touchstones that are sort of flipped around or mixed up from our reality? Um, I mean, aside from, like... President Fremont, obviously. Right, who's, yeah. I don't recall there being anything specific, and there might have been. These first three questions are making me wish I would have been able to access an ebook copy oh, that's, yeah. of this so I could, like, look for keywords yeah, to keyword, answer your yeah. questions. Yeah. Uh, but it is tricky sometimes because I, I, I don't always know what to take notes on. Um, and some of this stuff, like, I mean, there could be something in the book that is just an offhand mention like it was in the movie, and I just didn't yeah. think to take a note on it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Vallis has been talking to Nick for a while now, and uh, he's been sort of changing, directing the course of his life. Is I, I don't have this question, but is that what happens? Like, it tells him to move to, like, L.A. and all this sort of stuff. It starts sort of, like, directing their lives. Is that something that happens in the book? Yeah, um... I would say that it's more explicit in the movie than it is in the book. Like in the movie, the Vallis like straight up tells him like, you need to move to LA LA, in the book. It's more like he has a dream where he's in this specific neighborhood in LA and he really like latches onto it. And then he goes down there to visit and he like sees it and he's like, aha, I'm supposed to live here. That's what that dream meant. Hmm. 
one of the things that the in the movie that it specifically tells him is to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where PKD comes over with champagne in the cheapest little, you know, dollar store like yeah, <laughs> champagne flutes that you get flutes. for New Year's Eve. Uh, and he, he, he offers them all drink cause they're moving. They're like, like we just discussed, they're moving to LA and Nick's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't drink anymore cause of Valis or whatever. And then they're like, ah, come on. And he has a drink and gets immediately sick. Yeah. Implying that either the Valis knew that he was now like, I don't know what, like the implication <laughs> of that being that somehow the, Valis telling him not to drink has some sort of effect on him physically in terms of like his ability to drink alcohol or that he had some sort of something going on that Valis knew about that when he drank made him ill. I don't know. And I want to know if it was from the book because I thought it was weird. It's not in the book. And uh, I like your theory about Valis like knowing that there's something going on with him that. Yeah. But. I got like a weird like keeping the body pure reading from it that I didn't particularly care for. No, I agree that there is like a a weird implication of especially because then when we meet Alanis Morissette's character, she's like, "Oh, I don't drink either because yes. of Valis." Yeah, there is and I think that that does lean into some more like stereotypical like kind of culty yeah, type type of um yeah. behaviors and that sort of thing where it's it's not uncommon for for cults to have very strict rules about uh you know what kind of drugs you can do or not do and, and alcohol and all that sort of stuff and but i think the movie <clears throat> and they're not really i mean they're kind of a cult in the movie it's not like i mean uh, it's not uncommon for like religions in general yes, religions in general and, about... and they are sort of vaguely analogous to a religion yeah. they're getting these communications from us you know some sort of greater power and that sort of thing but I do, it is a little interesting in a PKD story that felt like, because PKD was not, was not adverse to, <laughs> to, to consuming mind-altering substances of any sort. And it, I thought it was strange to have that be part of what Valis I don't know. I mean, it could still work regardless, even though it is like it, it doesn't. Ah, eh. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely not because then later on when Nick and uh, Sylvia are at the bar, they both have a drink. Yeah. So like, wait, like they drink. No, they don't. They have club no, soda. In the book, oh, in the book. They do. Oh, in the book. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, they have club soda in the movie, yeah. so it is a direct and they, change and they to make the, the books. yeah, and they make like a thing out of it yeah, it's in a whole the movie. Thing. <laughs> like, because Nick's like, oh, I'd like to have something strong, yeah. but I guess a club soda. Club soda is fine. Yeah, we'll get to it. This movie's kind of it's everywhere. Just, it's, it's like a weird change to me. It is a weird change, and it's. Because you would never notice if they were just like, yeah, I'll have a drink. Like that would not that wouldn't be something that I as a viewer would be like that's weird. Well, and it's also strange because it's one of those things that it, it, you could see it being used to imply again because it is something often associated with more like sort of zealous mm-hmm. religions or cults to have very sort of specific rules about consumption of things that it you could see it as like a warn like like in a, in a, in a movie if this movie was doing something different where where they were actually he was actually sort of sliding into some actual like bad thing like mm-hmm. if, if Val he he was be like Valis he thought was this like 
getting this message from on high and he's talking to Alanis Morissette and she's like, oh, yeah, well, there's a bunch of us and all this sort of thing. And then, like, he's sort of slowly getting pulled into this organization. But then, like, at the end, we find out that, like, actually they're evil or something. Yeah. Or, like, actually they're, right. like, some death right. cult. This, like, weird sort of... This weird kind like, of, warning like, obsession flag. with, like, what he can and can't do with his body. As a warning flag kind of tracks. Right. But since that's not what happens, it's a little strange. Like, it doesn't really... Yeah. Like, I'm not sure what the... Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what I'm supposed to take away from that exactly yeah. yeah uh so speaking of a ram check which is ultimately you find out uh this group that uh alanis morissette and he become a part of uh it's all the people who have spoken or have been spoken to by valis uh early on in the movie though we're told by president fremont that they are an evil uh you know godless mm-hmm. um organization that's here to destroy america and our our god god fearing ways uh and they're aided by higher ups evil higher ups in the yeah. media who you so, know uh, it's antifa it's antifa it's antifa it's a ramshack's antifa uh in <laughs> in this narrative at least that's how it comes across in the beginning and it i guess it kind of is it kind of still works and we'll get to it uh where where the movie goes eventually with a ramshack and everything but uh yeah so they're they're antifa and i wanted to know if that was the whole sort of early setup for if a ram check is set up in the same way in the book that it is in the film uh yeah basically all the stuff about a ram check is like copy pasted from the book mm-hmm. so like where it starts where it ends up that all is i mean aside from a few small details here and there maybe right. it's from the book cool uh so nick has been as we mentioned has been being spoken to by valis uh the giant satellite uh in orbit around earth that is beaming messages into people's brains uh during their dream during REM cycles while they're sleeping uh but what it happens one time while he's having like dinner or he's i don't know he's just sitting like hanging out with with pkd yeah and rachel's there and they're just sitting in the dining room and a purple space laser flies through the dining room window and hits him in the brain and it looks real not great <laughs> it looks really bad it's it funny because so the, the the actual shot in space like the cg of the satellite and yeah. it shooting the laser doesn't look terrible like it doesn't look great but it's not god awful but the laser coming th- once we get down to earth and then it comes through the window and i'm sure that's because it's all cg in that moment like it's yeah it's like when they're in sp- it's in space it's all cg and then here we have it interacting with like physical actual people um, but it hits him in the head, and it looks like something out of a seventies, eighties yeah. movie. Like it's, it's I, like I a love, space laser like, from the seventies. Yeah. Some of the uh, special effects in this movie looked like they were from like the eighties. Oh, and it's some of them looked like they're from like the very early two thousands. It's very the phys- the special but, like, effects in music this video are terrible. They're yes, awful. they're like they're like early two thousands music video special effects, or like you said, um, even eighties, yeah. like nineties, especially effects. like some of the animated sequences when he like has a visions or dreams or the, whatever the crab one is yeah. wild looking like the weird crab thing or whatever that is yeah. that, that's is it's like a it looks like it reminded me of like um it was a show called reboot or whatever there was like a there was a cg show in the early 2000s i think about a kid who like lived in a computer and it was like called reboot or something uh-huh. like that and it was that's that exact or like the same similar animation style as a. Uh, beast wars mm-hmm. like the transformers beast wars cartoon like that that terrible 
late 90s <laughs> CG. Late 90s, early aughts. Completely yeah. com- computer-generated 3D, like, ugh, garbage. Looks terrible. <laughs> but to answer your question, Nick does get zapped with a space laser, and it does tell him that his son has a birth defect. Fantastic. Magical. He, like, and they see it? Does PKD see it? Yeah. That's, they yeah. both Yeah, they both see it. Weird. Uh, so then it, I think that at this point, I think, believe it tells him to visit this, the space laser tells him he needs to visit uh, President Fremont's home. Like you got to go, you got to go visit President Fremont's uh, place of birth, basically, mm. uh, which is a fancy, not fancy, sorry, it's a place of like a historical place, and they have like right. tours and shit. And they show up there, and as we're introduced to it in the film, the tour guide is dressed like a fascist Barbie. And I wanted to know if they visit President Fremont's home and if Fascist Barbie is their tour guide. They do see Fremont's childhood home at one point, but just from the outside. They don't take mm, a tour. Okay. So there is no tour guide. To be fair, I don't think they actually take the tour in the movie. We just see the tour guide and then it cuts to them like breaking in that night. I, don't I know thought if... Nick took the tour. It's possible. And then they all broke in later. It's possible. I mean, yeah. Because I, yeah, I got lost when they were like, I was like, why are they breaking in? Why don't they just take the tour? Because he needed to get into the backyard. And maybe Nick took the tour and saw it. Yeah. And then showed, but they wouldn't have shown them that part. The tour wouldn't have shown that part. I mean, not the the word on the sidewalk. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, but they might, I mean, they might have seen the backyard. I don't <laughs> yeah, who know. Knows? Who knows? And this is the backyard where he played. And then, uh, speaking of the backyard and the name and the concrete, is that where a ram check comes from? I, I say comes from. It's not ultimately where it comes from. That was a big bait and switch in this movie that I was not expecting, and we'll talk about, I guess. So the movie sets up... Uh, Fremont has been talking about a ram check this whole time. They break into his house and they find this name in the concrete, a ram check, and they're like, holy shit, it's some name from his childhood. This is all made up. There is no a ram check. It's all fake organization. Uh, and they think it's it's all made up and a delusion. Mm-hmm. Literally, they're created to sort of uh, instill fear and placate the masses, or not placate, but to bring everybody in line in struggle against this imagined you know enemy mm-hmm. a ram check that's their hypothesis at this point in the film and i wanted to know if that's what happens in the book so yes i was into this at this point yes except that it's on the sidewalk in front of the house not in the backyard boy and anybody could see it there and <laughs> <laughs> it is revealed in the book uh because at one point nick mentions it to sylvia who grew up in the same neighborhood, and she's like, oh, yeah, my brother did that. He wrote oh. it on the sidewalk. I don't remember if the movie ever explains that. I don't think the movie that, ever explains that, happened. no. I mean, we do find out that she lived, like, was their yeah. neighbor and stuff, and that her mom was involved. It's, it's I mean, very it, convoluted. It, it's never explained how their last name would end up actually being the name of the organization. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Well... I mean, it. yeah, you're right, because it's... Was she the first one that it spoke to? I don't know. Spoke to? Oh, boy, I don't remember, because she's a communist. No, she's not a communist. I can't... Boy, the plot of this one towards the end gets real confusing. Cause oh, he, yes, it he does. He eventually... I don't even know if we should get into it yet, but... 
Probably not. Okay. I feel like people will be confused either way when we get into it. So moving on. Yeah, I don't know that I could possibly summarize or outline this in a way that would make sense to anyone who hasn't either read the book or watched the movie. Yeah. I don't know if that's possible. I'm having a hard time having watched the movie last night to like put it into to to get through the plot in a way from like point A to point Z. Yeah. In a way that makes sense without jumping to point w (laughs) like i feel like i need to move way ahead to explain it it's very tough it's it's a it was an interesting story and i didn't hate it but man it's a bit of a mess and we'll talk more about that later uh there's a great line that i wanted to know if it was in the book philip k dick is in a phone booth talking to nick uh, and he's like i'm working on a new book it's called uh and it's a real book and i can't remember what it's called uh tears Flow my tears, the policeman said. There you go. Flow, flow my tears, the policeman said. That's his next book that he's working yes. on. And uh, Nick asks him over the phone, oh, it sounds political. And PKD responds, no, well, sort of. It's like all my stuff, which made me laugh a lot um, because that's the perfect like way to sum up Philip K. Dick's yeah. stuff. It's like, it's like, no, it's not political. Well, sort of. Ah, yeah, I mean, I guess it's like everything I write. Uh, it was very self-aware and made me laugh. And I wanted to know if PKD was that self-aware or if this was a writer making sort of a, a joke at PKD or what? I don't recall this exact line being in the book. I would say that the book is sometimes self-aware in this manner, but not always. Uh, this is kind of a weird case. Like, PKD wrote himself into this book. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, the government wants to use his name to, like, push propaganda pieces. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not saying that PKD wasn't an important enough writer for that to theoretically happen. But I, I don't know. The fact that he's the one writing it makes it feel like a weird convergence of ego and paranoia. I I feel like... A weird convergence of ego and paranoia could be like the subtitle for like the final six years of PKD's life from what I've read. (laughs) Like (laughs) from what I know of the end of PKD's life, I believe that could just describe him (laughs) like a weird convergence of ego and paranoia seems accurate. So well done. (laughs) Uh, So we've, we jump forward a little bit. We, the story does ultimately take place over the course of years. Yeah. Uh, by the end of the film, it's been, I don't know how long, but at least five years or so. Cause they're, she gets pregnant. His, uh, Rachel gets pregnant in the beginning of the film. And then by the end of the film, the child is. He's four, like four, yeah, three, four, four, four or like, five, you know, maybe that. So it, it takes place over quite a while. Um, at this point, uh, Fremont's still in office and they are now, and we kind of see the, we see a very, it's not the most visually, well-depicted descent into fascism, but we do see some touchstones of the the country's sort of slow burn fall into a fascistic state mm-hmm. where we go from, at the beginning, it, it seems generally pretty normal overall, relatively speaking, to by the end we have, like, literal, like, Nazi, you know, like stormtroopers, like marching around and stuff and like internment camps and all this sort of thing. And 
one of the things that during that descent is the citizens have to take like citizenship tests things to like questionnaires to basically answer it's like it's like a they mail you a uh a loyalty quiz essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to fill it out and answer all these questions about what you know what you think uh, about the direction of the country and all this sort of stuff and communism and blah 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 and i wanted to know if that was a, a little detail from the book because I, I thought that was interesting yes that is in the book the question that they answer in the movie isn't the same one that's in the book, but it is the same idea. Yeah. Like a question that's impossible to answer without like implicating yourself somehow. That was the other angle of it that was really interesting. And I don't remember the exact question, but it is one of those questions. It's it's the when did you stop hitting your wife kind of question mm-hmm. uh, where no matter how you answer, you essentially you're implicating yourself as being sympathetic to yeah. a ram check or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Also, I liked the the fact that it, it was sort of seemingly just something they like they're complaining about it, but they still do it. And it's just like part of their it mm-hmm. just seems sort of blase. Like it's not this big outrage about it with them, even though they like they don't like it. And they're like, this is bullshit and stuff, but they still do it and send it off because yeah. they have to. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like part of their life and this sort of that the mundanity of the descent into fascism. Like we got to It's going to be late. If it's late, they're going to come. Oh God. And we're going to get fined or whatever. Yeah. Surprise. Alanis Morissette shows up in one of Nick's late night, uh, Valis dreams. And she's sitting on a stool singing a song. And I was taken aback. Cause I mean, I knew Alanis Morissette was in the movie. Didn't know she was going to sing. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that was going to be part of her character. And it's an important part of her character. And she's singing, and I want to know if that's what happens in the book. Yes, her character is in the book. Uh, Nick does initially see slash hear her singing in a Valis dream. And he's like, she's... Well, at that point, he doesn't know what to think of her, right? Because he hasn't... Because uh, eventually she shows up later. Right. And then yeah, he's like, yeah, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, that's that's the girl that was. I need her yeah. to sing. She's got to yeah. sing. But bef- at this point, he doesn't really know what to make of it. So we're introduced now to the friends of the American people. They come to interrogate uh, Philip K. Dick, I believe, right? Yes. They come yeah. to inter- interrogate Philip K. Dick about his non-American activities because they're the friends of American people. Uh, also known as Philip K. Dick in the movie says he calls them FAP and they're like, please, we prefer friends of the American people. And I laughed and I also wanted to know if it was from the book. And I was like, I don't know when this word became a thing. Yeah. Because this was written in like the 60s. And I don't know if yeah. FAP was a thing. Like the 70s, I think. Yeah, uh, the 70s, early 70s. So is FAP from the like. Obviously, the friends of the American people probably are, but do they say FAP? Is there references to FAP? Like, yes, and does yeah. PKD like say it and yeah. like derogatorily at them or uh, something? I mean, they they call them yeah, they call the organization FAP. They refer to them as fappers. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's and I was like, I don't. I tried to. Go- you know how hard it is to Google the etymology of the word FAP. Oh, I it's know. It's not easy. I tried. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean. For anyone who doesn't, <laughs> I don't know if I want to describe what it means. Um, but fap my, is but just it's just it's just it's, it's, it's slang for masturbation. That's, yeah, that's all it is. It's it's late 
2000s, early 2010s meme culture slang yeah. for uh, masturbation, uh, specifically male masturbation. Yeah, specifically male, but it doesn't really have to be. Yeah, so so, the, so that is my earliest memory yeah. of that word. And I would be very curious to know if it has a longer history. Yeah, I didn't know. I was like, because I it thought is, it just And it, it is incredibly in difficult to look up the etymology of slang. Yeah, I couldn't. I did some Googling trying to figure out. I didn't. I mean, I, to be fair, I looked for like five, ten minutes because I was watching the movie and I didn't want. I paused it and was like, "Okay, how long? How? Where does this word come from? How long has it been used okay. to mean?" Hang can you on. find something? Um, fap as a verb. Uh, masturbate also the sound of it. Slang by two thousand one. Yeah. Earlier, drunk, late sixteenth century. Okay. Okay, so it so in PKD's instance, he's seemingly referencing or or playing on the the drunk maybe meaning potentially. Of it. Like, I it doesn't say how like commonly known. Yeah, or how much it was that, used. Yeah, how like much how it was used moving popular forward. It was like by the come nineteen seventies yeah. or whatever. I was really. Interested. I don't know if anybody knows if anybody is older than us and knows if the word was used at all. You know, like previously. Pre- Pre two thousand or culture, whatever, yeah, and it, or or if it was, if it was used in a way different than even the the drunk thing, or if it if it had because it is the way it's used in the movie, and uh, this movie was filmed in two thousand seven, so by the time the movie was filmed, it was a thing that people would have known, like the writers right. would have known it, yeah, yeah. But I would be really interested to see because again, in the movie, they do play it like a joke. Like he he kind of like digs at them by calling them fappers and and like they're like please it's you know it plays like a right a joke at that where the where the joke is that their name is an acronym for masturbation like yeah and I I don't feel like it was played that way in the book okay I, I don't think they ever refer to themselves yeah as fap or fappers but the fact that they don't refer to themselves that way right implies that there is. Some sort of subversive meaning, like there is some sort of subversive. Well, potentially, but it's it. it's not the same. It's not played the same way that it is in the movie. Is my point right? No, I get what you're saying. It's not played the exact same, but I'm just saying because, like in the book, if they had called themselves fap, if they had called themselves right. fappers, I think it would be maybe fair to assume that the book didn't didn't have any sort of baggage on the word. Like within mm-hmm. the universe, they they don't have any sort of like weird uh, associations of that word to anything else. They just use it as an acronym. But in the movie, it's clear that there it, is this other like meaning, yeah. and they don't like it because of this other meaning. Right. And so I thought that was, it was, it was yeah, it was interesting. Which, like you said, tracks for something made in the two thousands. Yeah, in the late two thousands. Yeah. Also, had forgotten that that word was actually an onomatopoeia. Yeah. Which is charming. <laughs> yeah. It's very charming. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the Friends of the American People have uh, are there to ask uh, PKD some questions, and they ask him three questions, and they are Do you do drugs? Have you had any babies, specifically of non Caucasian descent? And uh, do you believe in God? Those are their three questions. It's like a, a fascist trifecta of questions. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know if those questions come from the book. 
Uh, they didn't actually ask him questions like they did in the movie, but I feel like this is the right idea. Okay. Like I thought, I felt like adding those questions. That was a change that I liked. Yeah. I thought it fit because it's very clear, even in the book, I would assume that this, these, and maybe it's a slightly more modernized, maybe not modernized, but, um, it, it it's one of those moments that felt very poignant and very like, it's one of those things that still, you know, to this day with, um, within uh, fascist ideologies and fascist tendencies in different subcultures, the idea of de- degeneracy mm-hmm. is like a big thing. And so the idea of doing drugs or of, and obviously racism <laughs> tends to be a big yeah. component of it. So having, um, you know, children of, of not non-Caucasian descent or whatever they say in the movie. Uh, and then, on, and then also, you know, another big aspect of it tends to be at least in American dominated fascism or in Western fascism, a connection to Christianity uh, and specifically like uh, Protestant Christianity. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, so the question about God also ties in, in a way that feels um, very on the nose, like very accurate. <laughs> uh, and then PKD fucks the fascist fap lady. <laughs> yep. So good for him. Uh, and I wanted to know that, okay. I want to know one, if he fucks her, but two, if she says these lines because they made me crack up in the movie, they're delivered. So I don't know if they're delivered poorly or if they're just bad lines, but she says, she shows it back up to his place and she brings weed with her. And she's like, you want to smoke some grass? And he's like, what? No, I don't get that out of my house. Cause he's like thinking he's being set up or whatever. And she's like, ah, calm down. And she says to him, Fappers are the straightest kids on the planet. Straightest meaning like straight edge, like don't do right. drugs or yeah. anything like that. And and then she, and then she goes on to say, "Grass makes me super horny." Those exact words. Grass makes me super horny, and I could not stop laughing at that line because the way it's delivered and just it's written. It sounds like it's written by like a a, a twelve year old, like a like a thirteen year old boy. It's like the the hot Nazi girl comes over and she's like, grass makes me super horny. And then we bang like, I don't know. It just I wanted to know if that was in the book. All right. So he does try to get out of writing a report about Nick by seducing Vivian. Okay, that is his plan. He like, yeah. He's like, I'm going to call her back over here. I'm going to seduce her. And then I'll get out of this tight corner. Yeah. With my dick. Nice. With my PKD. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she, I don't think either of them ever say fappers are the straightest kids on the planet. Okay. She does say hash makes me horny. That's still stupid, but less stupid than grass makes me super horny. Like the inclusion of super in there is the most juvenile, like, I don't know, super horny. Grass makes me super horny. Uh, I laughed a lot at that. Uh, and then does she turn out to be 17, but not 17? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, she does tell him that she's 17, and then he, like, dives for her license. Yeah. And it turns out that she's not. Yeah. Uh, in the book, she's 19. Um, yeah. I, was, I think in the movie she was, like, 23 or something like that. Yeah, she's 23 in the movie is yeah. what she says, um, which I believe is what the age of the actress was. 
because I looked it up. When she says she's 17, I was like looking at this actress. She looks like she's like 25. Like she does not look like a 17 year old at all. I was like, I bet this actress is like 25, and yeah, she's literally like 25 or something. And uh, but <laughs> I do there. I feel like there's something in this scene. The fact that PKD wrote a scene <laughs> where he fucks a fascist 17 year old who's not a 17 year old mm. has some. There's some. There's something there's there to some dissect. Stuff to unpack there's some there. stuff to unpack. There's there. some stuff to unpack. <laughs> I feel like maybe yeah. some. Uh, he could have talked to somebody about some of that stuff. <laughs> maybe that was one of the edits that his publisher wanted yeah. him to make. Who's <laughs> like, we gotta, we got, we gotta change this, man. Yeah, this. man. <laughs> She's got to end up being actually like 23 or something. It's weird. Uh, boy. All right. So moving forward a little bit, uh, Nick is like full on into the the phallus uh stuff and he 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 ends up he has a toothache he ends up going to the dentist and then uh as he gets he's recovering no 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 this isn't yet he's sitting at home and he has a toothache Mm -hmm. and he goes to the door and this uh woman is at the door and she and this was real I, i read this this is a thing that actually happened to pkd like this is like based on true story the he went to the door and this beautiful woman was at the door wearing a Christian like the fish necklace. Yes, and he it like triggered he he like he like fr- freaked out about it or whatever. So I'm assuming this is in the book because like I said, this does actually happen to him in in real life. But he sees this Christian necklace thing, and then that like triggers a Vallis brainwave that knocks him into his Vallis you know into the Vallis the Vallis verse or whatever. <laughs> And he, uh, he, it's revealed to him as he sits and watches President Fremont in a smoky room play poker with poker chips that are like JFK and Martin Luther King Jr. are are the poker chips. Like again, it's very you know I get what they're doing, but it's a little nah. And he, it's revealed to him that oh, they're they've been behind all of these assassinations of these people. And I wanted to know if that was all sparked from a. a a toothache and a Christian necklace from a door to door salesperson. Yeah. He does. If Alice does reveal to him, uh, the, the conspiracy of all of these like assassinations in recent history. Uh, and it, it is because his descent into the Vallis verse is triggered by seeing this gold Jesus fish necklace. Okay. This is, by the way, this is the point where things start to get a little unraveled yeah, in a way that's we're, very we're, difficult we're to discuss. We're sliding downhill yeah. rapidly at this point. Indeed. He, After he gets done with this, he's discussing with PKD that in his dream, one he talks about how, I don't remember the exact context of this conversation, because he has lots of conversations with different people at different times in the second half of this movie about his dreams, which makes it very confusing, because I don't remember who he's talking to. I think he's talking to PKD at this moment and they talk about how in his dream in this, the messages seem to be transmitting from an alternate reality where the U S isn't the U S but is instead the Portuguese States of America. Yeah. That's when he's like talking to the little computer thing. Oh, that is and right. He, yeah. And the computer, like he asks the computer, who are you? And the computer's like, I don't know. Yeah. And then he asks like, where are you? And the computer says the Portuguese States of America. Yes, that's right. So yeah, that is in the book. Yeah. So again, that was, and, and then he's, and then they theorize, and they theorize about an alternate 
reality. That it's coming from an alternate reality, alternate reality where uh, Napoleon didn't know where the the uh... well, something didn't happen in back in the day in history. A thing that I didn't, <laughs> I don't remember, didn't happen, and so essentially. Uh, England didn't end up yeah, dominating. Yeah, so like England doesn't become like the world the global superpower. superpower. Spain and Portugal end up becoming yeah. like the global superpowers because of whatever happened. And I can't remember what it yeah, is. Yeah, I can't for the remember life what they me, Whatever the specific event is. Um, and because of that, the because Spain and Portugal became the world superpowers, uh, England, we never had the Protestant Reformation, which means oh, I think that that's was what it, it is. Yeah. We never had yeah. the Protestant Reformation. And so uh, Catholicism ruled the day. Just, like, continued to dominate. Yeah, Catholicism ruled the day. And so uh, Spain and Portugal kind of conquered the world. And because of that, we never had the, uh, like, essentially all the religious turmoil that transpired, which in PKD's uh, estimation, all that religious turmoil is what held the technological advancements back and so in our universe, the reason we're not as advanced as wherever Vallis is, you know, mm-hmm. transmitting from is because none of that shit happened in his universe. And so they're like 500 years ahead te- right. technologically from where we are. And part of that is that Portugal is conquered and took over the U.S. instead of England and, you know, or, or and eventually, you know, right. becoming a sovereign s- nation. I wanted to know if any of that's from the book. Yeah, <laughs> I feel it like is. a crazy person. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I also wanted to discuss very briefly how I thought it was really dumb that it's the Portuguese states of America because it's not in our in ours it's not the English states well, right. of America. Well, clearly in this alternate universe Portugal colonized america oh, and, and then, then it was and powerful when, enough to maintain that, right that was powerful enough to maintain and we either never revolted we never or, revolted or maybe we did and they successfully quashed our, our yeah. revolt yeah. or weren't in enough debt that they didn't care and they were like oh, we can lose that one <laughs> yeah i get. yeah i guess that is what it is because it is still just seen yeah we're, but they weren't they were just like the english colonies right they right. weren't we were never the yeah, but America. But maybe know. later on, we we would have been become called the, the, English the English states, states of America. Maybe? I don't yeah, know. Maybe. It's possible. I guess that whole part was a little confusing to me, but whatever. Back to Alanis's more sets. Alanis more sets. I just said her name like she's the attorney's general. Like there are numerous <laughs> Alanis more sets. The Alanis is more set. We don't know that there's not. <laughs> I feel like if there are multiple, that's how you would say it. Alanis is more set. I'm pretty sure every time I wrote out her name, the number of R's, S's, yep. and P's. Yep. Oh changed. my God. Her name is impossible <laughs> to spell. It's a nightmare. I misspelled it every single time <laughs> because it's in her first name, it's like, is it two L's? Or one L? Is it two N's or one N? And then her last name is: Is it two R's or one R? Two S's or two one S? Two T's or one T? I don't know. There's so many double letters that could be single letters and vice versa. It's impossible. Uh, but we find out that she's actually a secret musical genius, or at least talented, even though she denies it and is like, "No, I don't. I'm not. I don't like to play music, uh, or I just do it for myself, or whatever." And Ultimately, we find out that her last name, she when she shows up, she applies for a job at the record company that Nick runs. 
and she says her last name's like Sylvia something. I can't remember what some other name. But we find out ultimately that her last name is actually Aramchek. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? And it blows his mind. And then it ties her into this whole giant conspiracy. And I wanted to know, if, one, if she's a musician, and two, if she is a Ramchek or an Aramchek. Yes. She uh, kind of... It kind of plays out the same way with her, like, musical abilities. He's like, oh, but you're a talented musician. And she's like, not mm. not really. Uh, but we do find out that she, like, writes lyrics. Okay. Um, her name. In the movie, she introduces herself as Sylvia Sadasa. And then we find out that her last name is Aramchak. Yeah. In the book... Her name is Sadasa Sylvia, is how she introduces herself. And then we find out that her last name is actually a Ramjack. Yeah. So the movie flipped the two names. Okay. Ostensibly but... because Sadasa does not sound white. Yeah. And they cast and Alanis Morissette, who's maybe the whitest lady. <laughs> I don't know if she's the whitest lady, but no. she's she is a white she's lady. She's a white lady. She's Canadian, which means you're one of the right. She's I'm pretty sure she's yeah, Canadian. She's, yeah, she's Canadian. You're one of some of the whitest people if you're Canadian. That's <laughs> white Canadian. That is obviously there's a, a huge <laughs> number of indigenous Canadian people and stuff. And that's not what I was talking about. But uh, and, okay, I don't. This scene, I don't even remember the context of this. His kid wakes him up in the middle of the night and he's hungry or whatever, thirsty. Uh, Nick, by the mm-hmm. way, Nick has had a child at this point. We didn't really get into all the details. Hopefully, you've watched the movie. If you haven't watched the movie, you shouldn't be listening to this because it's gonna, it's gonna. This be is gonna mean, be a nightmare. Meaningless for, you. for even with the sub with the let me I, sum up. I really hope that our patron who requested this replies to our polls because I feel like they might be the only person who can follow this conversation. Right? I'm gonna need. Yeah, we're definitely gonna. Uh, gonna Jeff, need, we're gonna need you to weigh in, bud. I'm gonna need you to weigh in because if you have haven't seen this movie i don't think this episode's gonna mean much or read the book i don't know you, if this, you're gonna have to have had done one or the other one or here. the other one or the other folks otherwise this mean this conversation is like unparsable like i don't know how you would follow it uh but nick uh now it, randomly in the middle of the night and again i think it's because there's a there's some vaguely just generic spiritual we get to we ultimately find out that they think that valis is the same thing that's been communicating um with like every prophet through history like jesus and moses and abraham or not abraham um uh like jesus and moses and muhammad and all the you know every religion's important right um sort of you know um prophet prophets and that sort of thing have been communicating or been communicated with via this valis thing Mm mm-hmm and uh, and so we get it ultimately sort of ends up in this like mishmash of like 70s um, spiritualism. Yeah. Where like they're all the same, you know, that the, the idea that like all of these religions are ultimately sort of trying to communicate the same thing kind of. But they're all kind of bullshit. And maybe God's not real, but maybe it is. And like it's very 70s. Like I smoked a lot of pot and thought about God for a while. Like it, <laughs> It's yeah. way too dismissive. I'm just, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's incredibly dismissive. But but like it, that's kind of the vibe we're getting here. And one of the things that Nick does after he's sort of seen this Jesus necklace and 
has sort of had this sort of spiritual awakening is one night he literally his kid wakes him up to get a drink of water and he goes into the kitchen with his son and then it's just like four in the morning he feeds his son a piece of bread and then dips his finger in water and like christens his son because he renames him he's like your name's paul now and he's like what and he's like you paul shut up <laughs> like what is happening it's very strange never ever comes back again it, it, it i mean it is what it is but i wanted to know if it was from the book i felt like it had to be because it's such a strange little scene that never really means anything other than just to show us nick's sort of descent into this again spiritual like cacophony mm-hmm. of weird beliefs of, yeah and of, like images and this kind of imagery and, yeah uh yeah that is in the book he he does get to this place where he believes that uh basically like he and i can't remember if he knows about the other people at this point or not but like that he and the other people are basically like uh analogs to like like the 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 jewish people in the bible um and like anyone who's been like receiving the word of like quote the one true god um throughout human history and i he does uh baptize his child in the middle of the night with bread and and water um so weird and and i think the implication i think the implication that we're supposed to get is that like he's like compelled by Valis or possibly by a uh, fire bright, which we haven't gotten, we to, haven't gotten yet, fire yet. Um, we'll to fire do bright. this. And, and I, I think I'm, I might be remembering my early Christian history incorrectly, but I think early Christians did often have like secret names. Like they had like secret Christian names. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I don't know, but that would So that might be a me. reference to that. Yeah. Where that's, he's like that You're sounds Paul right, now. but I don't know. <laughs> um this movie does have really weird and especially the low I didn't even think about this. Um the low budget nature of it and the the weird Christianity sort of like uh weaving into this overall I mean don't get me wrong. This movie would be incredibly sacrilegious to anybody who was like a religious, per- like they would not agree with like mm-hmm. most, if anything, this movie had to say. But this movie does give very strong, like uh, uh, apocalyptic Christian, um, yes, uh, like book slash movie vibes. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it very much feels like a a terrible low budget pure flicks. We're gonna. <laughs> Uh, it's the apocalypse and Christians are, are hiding out and like it has yeah. a lot of the hallmarks mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. that sort of uh, again apocalypse. What is the word? I'm not apocalyptic. Um, are you looking for rapture? Yes, chance? rapture. Yes, that's Jesus. That's the word I was looking for. Literally Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, like rapture fiction. It feels like post-rapture fiction or something mm-hmm. and like that 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 all of those uh those again like the the left behind series it gives me strong left behind yeah. vibes there there is yeah strong like vibes of like the true christians are forced into hiding by the dominant culture yeah kind and of this rise of, a, of an antichrist type of yeah. like political figure who he's again in this instance he's 
but he is the Antichrist, kind of. Kind because, of, yeah. Because ultimately, like he 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 presents as, which I guess the Antichrist. I don't know. That's where it gets really confusing when we get to that sort of twist at the end, which we'll talk about here shortly, or at some point. Actually, right now, this is the next, <laughs> <laughs> literally right now. So they have this conversation this whole time. Uh, the, you know, Fremont has been this sort of uh, right wing fascist president, but they realize. After some research and some brainwave, purple brainwave Brain lasers, waves. yeah, that Nick realizes that no, actually Fremont isn't a fascist. Well, he is, but he's a communist. He was inducted as a child, a Ramchek, uh, Sylvia's mom. And yes. again, I'm so sorry if you did not. It, none of this it means anything. <laughs> If it's any consolation, a lot of it also means nothing to us. It's so hard to, it's like, so I'm having such a hard time just discussing it. But uh, Sylvia's mom, Alanis Morissette's mom, or grandma, I think mom, mom, as a child, they were neighbors, and she signed Fremont up for a communist, like, boys club or something like that. Yeah. And so it turned, but ultimately and that she's a communist spy but she's not is she i don't remember. i don't know because the book never goes back to, the, to well, her because ultimately we find out that like because he confronts alanis morset nick confronts alanis morset no pkd confronts alanis morset or whoever at one point and it's like you're secretly you're a communist your mom was a communist you guys are actually communists but they're not they're actually they're a ram, a ram check. check which isn't communist but is but but is Fremont a communist? Anyway, <laughs> anyways, the point being, the point being, Fremont. Um, they have this conversation. I want to know if this is in the book because it it made me disappointed in, in PKD. If this was, is that uh, Nick says, "Wait, Fremont isn't a communist. He's a fascist." And then PKD, I believe this is the right people saying it. PKD responds to him and says, "Communists are all fascists, anyways," or something like that. And I was like, I don't think PKD thought communists were all fascists. I mean, fascists, I would presume they're talking about Russian communism. I assume that is, okay, to be fair, I think that is what we're getting at. And it, yeah. to be fair, this is the 60s. Yeah. And I think we're, is very much his, his, uh, his, his sort of take on communism and communists is very much influenced by, like you said, Russian mm-hmm. communism and, and other communist um, countries at the time, which had a strong tendency towards fascism, uh, because fascism knows no <laughs> knows no political polls. It tends to be right leaning, but it doesn't have to be. I just thought it was interesting. I wanted to know if that line was from the book, and then also if the whole thing where Freeman Fremont is a sleeper cell communist who's masquerading as like a god loving American fascist. If that's what happens in the book? It's all very confusing. Again, my brain started uh, hurting. So the conversation, that conversation, and I believe those lines, or at least very close to those okay. lines, are in the book, as is the idea that Fremont is like a sleeper cell communist. Whether or not he actually is, is never really explicitly confirmed or denied. To me, I, I felt like the place where we ended up was... Uh, kind of with this idea of like a global cabal like everybody who's in power is like in cahoots yes but i don't know what they're they're just fascists but they're they're like just authoritarians and regardless of maybe political leaning i don't know it's 
Yeah, we don't ever really end up. Right. Well, they they talk about it, of... and they talk about how there's evidence that he's like actually in cahoots with Russia. Yeah. But it's never explicitly confirmed or denied. Is he a sleeper cell communist? Right. We yeah. don't know. We don't know. <sighs> Which yeah. it isn't in the movie either. No, to be fair, no, it's so. not. And and ultimately, the the movie's messaging comes down to less about communists or fascists or blah blah blah. And I mean, fas- I mean, sorry, less about like left leaning or right leaning political um, government or right left leaning or right leaning governments or political organizations and whether or not you know what direction is good or bad and more so comes down on an just an anti-authoritarian anti-state mm-hmm. sort of bent um sort of a very like libertarian style of uh, uh, sort of philosophy kind of which i don't necessarily disagree with in principle <laughs> like mm-hmm. obviously like i'm also anti-authoritarian and i think that is ultimately what the movie's going for like what the story is getting at it's just a sort of blanket refutation and and um, rejection of authoritarianism, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah, sure, cool, but it's a little muddy. Like the yeah. way it's presented, I would say it's a lot muddy. Muddies, it, it gets a little muddy and a little hard to parse what we're supposed to be getting out of. Because all of a sudden the communists are the fascists, and or is he a communist? There's, there's is he no not a communist? Is there no difference? And it's like ah, but uh, they're all authoritarians, and they're all bad because they're authoritarians. And it's like yes, but also is okay. I don't know. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it just yeah, it got very confusing. And also, I think part of that, I think you're right that it's very much informed uh, trying to interpret this book through a 2021 lens, political lens is very different. Yes. Than reading it and interpreting it through a 1970 political yes. lens. There's yep. a lot of different things going on. There's a lot of stuff that happened in the intervening yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, the intervening like, 50 years like, were you wild, know, a y'all. lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, a ram check is real. This is mm-hmm. the big twist. We thought for a long time that it was fake, maybe a thing created by uh, Fremont as a, you know, just a boogeyman. Mm-hmm. But no, it's real. Ram check's real, and it's the organization that uh it's 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 a loose affiliation of people that have all been contacted by Vallis and it is and they're a ram check it's like hundreds if not thousands of people around the world and it's it's a lot going on is that what that what a ram check ends up being in the book yes and i don't really want to talk about it because a ram check being real was the biggest disappointment of <sighs> this agree. entire book it's so much more interesting as a boogeyman yeah i agree it's much more interesting as a boogeyman than as a real thing and you can even keep most of the story the same yeah you can even keep like the whole storyline with alanis morissette and like the whole organization and still have all the people contacted by Vallis, they're just not a ram check. I don't know. I feel like you can do a lot of similar stuff and just not have a ram check be like a real thing. Yeah. It's weird. And and, and it just, I, but just though, because like the, Alanis Morissette's character has the same line in the movie and the book where she's like, well, why would President Fremont put all of this energy into chasing down something that's not real and i'm like oh i don't know why I don't know what, why yeah. would a fascist <laughs> government do that yeah right? gee whiz gee whiz yeah that did feel like a, a misstep there like a bit of a uh um a shot a shoot <laughs> he shot a bit of an air ball on that one going back to our basketball mm-hmm. uh from earlier but yeah because 
Yeah, she does say that. She's like, well, yeah. I spend all of it. It's like, well, you know, fascists do lots of dumb shit to, to, in, in order to maintain power. And it's kind of the whole thing. Uh, Firebright. Good Lord. Let's talk about Firebright. <laughs> we find out. And at this point in my head, I was like, what is even happening? Uh, we find out that Alanis Morissette has a magical fire entity burning inside of her uh, that she calls Firebright. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember anything about it, but I just want to know if it was in the book. <laughs> that is in the book. And yes, that is what she calls it. So to to my knowledge, as much as I was able to parse, this like fire bright entity is something that like comes to reside in people who have been contacted by Valis. It's like a being that mm-hmm. helps them do stuff and this is the thing that nick is seeing in his dreams yeah the, 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 the fiery the, the angel fiery looking, looking yeah. thing yeah fire bright okay cool fire bright what a name it's just i'm sorry it sounds like a like a my little pony yes or, it sounds like a my little pony or possibly like a really edgy care bear uh, i was gonna say or like a a a, a, a girl who grew up on a commune like a yes <laughs> She's like, I'm fire bright. Like, she grew up on a commune, you know, like uh, that kind of, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, does Russia just blow up Valis? Valis gets fucking blown up. Uh, yes. Yes, they do. And I, I can't remember now if it was the same in the movie because I kind of blacked out for a few minutes while I was watching this movie. Uh, in the book, the satellite that they sent up to investigate accidentally blows up and destroys Valis along with it. They say that in the movie. Okay, they say it was yeah. up there to like take pictures, right. but that it, whoa, it accidentally, oh, no. but yeah, no, it, it's implied that yes, they just blew it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is this the big ultimate plan? The big plan that they have from Valis is they're going to encode subliminal messages onto a, a hit song. They're going to record a hit song with these subliminal messages to spark a revolution, to make people see that they're being controlled by an authoritarian, mm-hmm. fascist, communist <laughs> cabal or whatever. Is that? That is exactly the plan. Sweet. Look, it's really dumb. I will say this. Presenting a story where art is like this, the subversive vehicle that drives change and progress. It's not like, like, I, I don't want to say it's not the worst because it's kind of the worst. But it, I get what he's doing. Like yeah. as a as a metaphor for as a just a broad metaphor for art being. It's not even a metaphor because it it's it just is the thing. Right. But but like in in the in in the story, it's the the thing that makes the next generation or the people coming listening to the music, re, you know, sort of break out and 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 um, break free of their authoritarian shackles is the subliminal messaging. Mm-hmm. PKD is using that, I think, as an analog for just art in general. Right. Yes. Freeing people's minds and being this subversive, progressive force in the world. Not obviously the subliminal part, but just right. Like art art itself. And I agree with that. I think that's like an okay. Yeah. Yeah. The specific idea that the subliminal message in this one specific song is going to unseat. The sitting president is a is a little silly. It's a little silly. It's a little silly. It is a little silly. I don't. It's it's a, that that one. That's a big one to swallow. I yeah. gotta say. Uh, so PKD and Nick are captured by 
the fat uh, whatever the fappers <laughs> the fascist fappers uh, which is funny because fascists <laughs> tend to be non no fap kind of folk but yeah. It's but. it's it works in a, in like a an ironic sort of way. Yeah, it does. Uh, which again, PKD, we from we from what we can tell, didn't mean it that way because FAP wasn't a happy accident. Yeah, what a what a happy little accident. But they uh, they capture them and they're basically threatening. Uh, they're they're like you got you can't you're you're publishing subversive material, all this sort of stuff to PKD because his, his science fiction books, you know, are are full of subversive messaging and that sort of thing. And they're like, what we're gonna do, we're gonna we're gonna release books under your name and but they're gonna like be state propaganda essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh they're gonna use his name to propagate state propaganda, which I thought was an interesting little twist, like taking PKD and his name and then using him to as opposed to like again, the sort of uh progressive author that he was at the time, spitting that on its head and using him as a <laughs> a a messenger for fascist state propaganda was a fun little like idea mm-hmm. was that from the book it seems like it well, well i know it was we talked about it. yeah yeah it is <laughs> yeah and the book that vivian uh tells him about is called the mind screwers mm-hmm. and it is about alien worms that invade people's brains but subtle fascists are not no so to be fair, neither is PKD in this book. So, or well, also subtle sometimes. It's not true. Half of it's really weird and subtle and convoluted, and the other half is like <laughs> half of it is too subtle, and, and the other half, half of it is screaming on the nose. On the yeah, nose. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they just fucking shoot Nick in the head in the movie. I was not prepared for that. Uh, it, it's one of the most well done moments in the film because of how it's edited. The editing in this movie is mostly garbage, and like it's not a good looking movie. And uh, the editing's serviceable, I guess, but it's not particularly interesting editing or they're not doing much clever um but this moment uh where the this this is cut together where she's on the phone or he's like begging pkd is like begging vivian to not have nick killed because they've already taken him out she's like take him outside and shoot him and pkd's like look don't do it uh please let me talk to him blah 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 and they're like he's like i'll do whatever you want or something like that i can't remember what he says and she gets on the intercom or the walkie and talks to them is like all right don't kill him and the way it's cut, it's cut very abruptly from her telling them not to kill him to immediately hard cuts out to them and they shoot him in the head like as mm-hmm. soon as she says it. And it was very jarring and it made me like jump. And it's one of the most and if not only effective moments in the film. And I wanted to know if that similar sort of scenario plays out in the book. Uh, yeah, it plays out exactly the same. They do shoot him. Uh, it's through the heart in the book, not in the head, but... They Other may shoot him that, in the, I don't the remember if they shoot him in the head or not in the movie. It I, looked, I th- like, it they looked like they did. But is she like called? Does she call and tell him not to? Yeah. And it's too late. And it's okay. too late. No. Yeah, it was a good moment. And so ultimately they fail. Their message doesn't go out. They f- the the fasci- the fappers find the the record or whatever that they were gonna <laughs> <laughs> that they were gonna put out with the uh subliminal messages telling people that the president is um you know, a fascist or whatever. Again, it's like, why are they the only people who realize that this this resistance would already be a thing? Yeah, I would think it's it's a little strange in that regard. Like it's overt. This is like overt authoritarian fascism in a way that like there would be a resistance. there would be a resistance like they're I mean, they're like literally dressed like, you know, Nazis. And like you have to do like citizenship tests every quarter. And there's 
people in like not just not just minorities in internment camps. There's like white people in internment camps. There would be a goddamn resistance. And it's just weird to me that it seems to be only like through the power of this record that they can spawn this resistance. Again, I get it for the overall story, but it's it's a little a bit of a weird like leap in logic you have mm. to make there. But that being said, they end up failing because they don't get this record out that's going to spark the, re- the rebellion. Uh, and PKD ends up in an internment camp. And I wanted to know if that failure and PKD in the internment camp is how we how we end the book. Yes, they do fail. Uh, they give PKD the option of solitary confinement or a work camp, and he chooses the work camp. I would too. <laughs> Fuck solitary confinement. Uh, And then we end on the last moment of the movie is PKD, while he's out on a work assignment, sees some kids watching them and they've got a radio and they start playing a song and it's the song, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was recorded by a different artist and somebody else within a ram check was also working on recording this song somewhere else at the same time. And he's like, wow, look at that. And he says, the music's for them, I guess. It's going to be up to them now. Uh, and again, I think I wanted, wanted to know first off if that line's from the book and if that's how like the book ends the same way. Uh, not that exact line, but yeah, it does end on that same basic idea, like the idea that it's up to the kids. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a fine ending. I, I thought the like the, <laughs> the, the way it gets there is a little weird in terms of like. Oh, turns out like he just sort of surmises while he's sitting there watching them listening or, you know, seeing yeah. them listening to this song. He goes, hmm, somebody else in a Ram check must have recorded this song and yeah. published it. Like, it's kind of a weird, again, expository way to, to wrap it up. But I don't hate the ultimate messaging of it, of the younger, the kids, you know, the, the next generation mm-hmm. um, through art being the people that can put it into, you know this fascism or like it's fine it's again it's not super unique or interesting but it's i don't disagree with it so i was like all right i see what you're saying i see what you're doing like it's fine (laughs) cool all right that was it for was that in the book i've got one question and lost an adaptation just show me the way to get out of here and i'll be on my way was a lost yes yes and i want to get unlost as soon as possible so, so after the uh, Russians blow up Vallis, Alanis Morissette is talking to Nick and she says to him, oh, Albemuth, which, by the way, I don't know if we ever mentioned Albemuth is like the planet or the it's a place star, star that, yeah. that Vallis came from or whatever. Right. Um, she says Albemuth already sent another satellite and he's like, oh, great. And she goes, but it'll take hundreds of years to get here. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how did she know that? Because this Valis got blown up. Mm-hmm. So how would she know that? So that is not explicitly explained. <laughs> but I think the idea is that she's been communicating with Valis much longer than Nick has and thus knows more about the entire situation. I think that's true. I still don't know if it makes it like, I guess. Yeah. That some, cause the way she says it makes it sound like she got another message. That's like, don't worry, we're sending another satellite, <laughs> but it's like, well, how would you have gotten that message? If the satellite's not here to send you that, me- I don't know. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Uh, yeah. I mean, they never say exactly how she knows that stuff, but she does in the book seem to be much more of an authority 
on Valis than Nick is. So Okay. All right, that's all I got. It's time. Let's find out what was better in the book. You like to read? Oh yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Uh, the first thing that I didn't really care for in the movie was that it was missing basically all of the backstory um, about like Nick and Rachel being at Berkeley um, and how uh, Nick was like very much um, like very uh, liberal, like lefty at the time. Yeah. Um, and we, we just kind of missed a lot of that. Yeah. I'm also not sure about moving the story out of the 60s and into the 80s. I'm not sure that works. Was it supposed to be the 80s? Uh, they say like 1980 something at some point. Oh, it's because like I feel like a lot of the stuff is looks too modern for. I thought it was contemporary. <laughs> I am almost certain that at some point there was like a title card that said like 80 something. No, I think you're right now that you think now that you say that, but I just it felt like looking at it, yeah. I wouldn't guess that it was No, I agree. supposed to be the 80s. But I guess it eh, maybe it could have been, I don't know. But like and like I'm not, I'm not saying that there wasn't a counterculture in the 80s, but I feel like the specific counterculture and general mood of the 60s yeah. works a lot better with this story. I agree. Uh, the movie also speeds up Nick's like growing obsession with Vallis and how that like takes over his life, which I'm not sure really works. It happens either. very quickly. Yeah, we go and, like and I, from yeah. the first communication to like him like we're moving to LA. It's like Right. You know. And yeah, and I wasn't sure like for somebody who hadn't read the book if that was even followable. Not I mean, it was followable in the sense I was like, okay, he's just he's just bought in like for whatever reason, he just bought in and he's doing whatever this <laughs> whatever this thing's telling him. I like I was like whatever. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense, but not a yeah. lot in this movie like tracks and works really well, so. Right. I honestly just didn't super care for how the movie portrayed Ballas slash Nick's dreams in general. I, I don't really know what I wanted, but it wasn't what the movie did. It was kind of boring. The movie just did, it's just bad CG. Like, yeah. It's just... And like the book's portrayal is hard to follow at times, but still like kind of trippy and cool. And the movie was just like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, well, and it's, I think you could have done, because, I mean, if you compare it to something like, which came out around the same time, um, A Scanner Darkly, mm -hmm. Scanner Darkly is visually super interesting. Yeah. And does a lot of really cool stuff with some of the trippier elements of that. Yeah. And this one tries on just a no, nothing budget with very, like, yeah. mediocre art direction. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It's not ideal. There's one moment that's kind of cool. I thought the one dream where it's like uh, the Roman gladiator arena was the only one that oh, looked. I thought that was really silly looking. It was, to me, it was <laughs> the only one that had the slightest inkling of like artistic merit to it. It that did looked, have a it, direction. Like it had I'll a direction. Like yeah. that at least looked like it was going for a thing. Yeah. All of the rest of it was just either bad green screens with like shitty CG or that weird, like like we said, like reboot style, like mm -hmm. 90s 3D modeling. That one at least was like an animation style that felt, it wasn't particularly good, but at least felt like they were trying for something. Yeah, yeah. 
The movie gave the fappers these very, like, Nazi Gestapo kind of uniforms, which, like, is not wrong, but it's also so on the nose that I wasn't sure I could get on board with it. It was too on the nose. Yeah, it's you can too do on the that. nose. You can do that and do it in a well a way that works. It has to be. I thought the first ladies wasn't the worst, like the tour guide. Mm-hmm. It's still very like again Gestapo Nazi, but it's not quite as over the top as when we finally the fat people show yeah. up and they're they have literally just like Nazi uniforms yeah. that they took the 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 fucking um bolts off of or whatever, like the the emblems and shit off of. And you can still do that because like. You know, uh, what you call it does it, but I guess it moving it into the um, Starship Troopers, they're essentially wearing mm-hmm. Nazi uniforms for a lot of it. Um, but again, moving it into the future and having it be a whole different. Right. Everything's different. Like, you know, they have all, all of the right. costumes well, are stylized. And, and, it's, and, and it's satire. Yeah. Well, so. yes. it's all satire, but like all of the costumes are stylized. And yeah. so it feels more natural for that to fall into place or to sort of fit in there. Whereas here, yeah, everybody else is wearing like t-shirts, and and again, it also, it's 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 a universe. We're so in the in the in Starship Troopers, we're so far removed from Nazism, right? That like the the cultural touchstone maybe isn't there in the same way. Whereas in this movie, it's the eighties. It's been forty years. Everybody yeah. knows what Nazi uniforms right. look like. Like, wait a second, they why should are you absolutely all be like, like why are you? Yeah. And again, I think you can even do that in a way that works. Like the, the again the 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 blind eye that society can turn to a descent into fascism is a definitely an important thing to like comment on and tell stories mm-hmm. about because it is a, a thing that happens and we've seen that you know. Uh, in recent years that that people can very easily sort of ignore warning signs of fascism but it is one thing warning signs are one thing and then literally like government organizations dressed as actual nazis is a little bit different like you could do that just tweak it a bit like yeah the movie leaves out a scene where nick gets a coded message in the mail and realizes that it's a trap that's been set for him by the fappers uh, and then Firebright, like, essentially talks for him. Like, Firebright takes control of the reins, kind of. And he calls it into FAP, which throws their suspicion off of him for the moment. So kind of an interesting scene. So Firebright is also his inner? Well, I, that's, I mean, I'm just calling it that because he okay. doesn't have an actual name for it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure because to me, Firebright was specifically Alanis Morissette's character's inner, right, s- An inner space v- fire angel, angel thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, but I see what you're saying. I just wanted to make sure that you weren't saying that Alanis is Morissette's character. No, it's Nick's. Okay. okay. Nick's version of Firebright. Okay. Sadasa Sylvia Aramchak is a woman of color. Yeah. Uh, presumably black, as it, it is stated that she wears her hair in an afro. Yeah. Uh, the movie whitewashes her for Alanis Morissette. Like, we couldn't find a female black actress slash singer. Like, they didn't we, exist. we had they to didn't have exist Alanis in 2007. Morissette. There were none in 2007. Only Alanis Morissette, who was also <laughs> very relevant in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. I think they probably like cast their net trying to get somebody semi-famous. Yes, I think they wanted the role. most famous person they could get. 
yeah to play that role just to for brand, for marketing purposes yeah and I think the most famous person they could get and I wouldn't be even be surprised if they initially went for a person of color right and none of them wanted to do it and then they ended on Alanis Morrison and they're like all right well that's what we're all doing all right i guess you're the most famous singer we can get and speaking of her character she also shows nick some of her poetry slash song lyrics before she gives him the like subversive mm-hmm. lyrics and the movie i feel like just kind of tells us that she's a talented songwriter whereas you know the book kind of plants it first yeah Yeah, absolutely. Nick does get into a car accident and he does have to go to the hospital in the book. The movie leaves out that he escapes from the hospital by putting on a muumuu and a head wrap. And I can definitely see the argument against including that because it probably would have ended up being not a good look. But it was also one of the most genuinely funny and like ridiculous moments in the book. So... Fair enough. I, I don't. He just leaves the hospital. Right? Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. he's in the hospital. Well, I didn't know he. Uh, why would he need to escape the hospital? Because like, well, they don't want to release him because they don't understand why. Because he had like very serious injuries oh, okay. in the book, and oh, then he's just like yeah. magic healed. And they're like, yeah, we're not releasing you because we don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. So he like escapes. It is really funny in the movie when he's he gets the injury and he's going into the hospital. He doesn't look injured at all. Yeah. And I was like, w- was that on purpose or because, like, was he already healed? But that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like they bring him in and they're going to do some sort of surgery or something on him. Right. And then but then he heals immediately. Like, he, it seems like in the movie, at least, it seems like after the surgery, he's like instantly healed. And I was like, but well, yeah, when they're bringing him in, like put a little blood on his face or like right. some broken give, glass give him in a black his eye. Yeah, maybe. Give, him, give him anything like he looks yeah. fine. Rough I was him like, up a little bit. Did he get hurt at all? All right. Yeah. I thought it was a little weird at the end that uh, Philip K. Dick was like spreading the good word of Vallis in the internment camp. And uh, like he and he and Leon, who's the other guy that he talks to. I don't remember if Leon has a name in the movie or not. I don't know. He's hot dog guy. He's hot dog guy. I I recognized him and I was like, holy shit. I only know that guy from one thing in the happening the Mark Wahlberg movie that right. we did on Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad. At one point, they end up at a farm or something with this guy oh. who's like, you guys like hot dogs yes. or whatever? He's that He's actor. Hot He's hot dog guy from The Happening. Uh, well, PKD and hot dog guy do talk about a ram check at the end, and he does like tell him what he knows about Vallis. But I felt like the movie took it like full-on evangelical, yeah. which felt a little strange. A little strange, yeah. Yep, I agree. All right, let's go ahead and find out what Katie thought was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. I liked that the movie gave more of a friendship between Rachel and PKD. Uh, The book never gives the vibe that they're friends outside of their mutual connection through Nick. But I thought the scene where she was, like, telling him that she's scared about being pregnant was kind of sweet. Yeah. I I think their relationship was, like, they... I thought they were the two best actors in the movie. Yes. Although her ADR is garbage. She has a lot of ADR, and it all sounds terrible. Um, But 
their interactions are really good because she's a mm-hmm. good actress and the guy playing and I had a note about this for odds and ends was the guy playing PKD does a um, Shay Wiggum yeah does a great job I don't know what PKD was like never <laughs> I've actually never even seen like a video interview no, with them or anything like that so I don't know in terms of like you know embodying PKD but in terms of just like playing a compelling character and like doing a good yeah. like I thought he was really good which is what a lot of the reviews I read also said and I was like oh yeah I, you guys are right he he does a really good job but I, I did like their relationship and i thought it was interesting um and i thought it added an extra layer of sort of realism to the their whole the mm-hmm. whole just like the whole dynamic the whole of dynamic that, of their relationship like that like little threesome yeah that we have in this yeah the, the fact that they seem to be almost closer than nick and her are yeah like but she's with Nick and, but it doesn't, but it's not like a weird, like it never seems like she's going to cheat on Nick with him or like they have any sort of weird romantic. Like I I like the idea that they have a friendship outside of, Oh, this is like my best friend's girl or whatever. And and not only that, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's like a stronger relationship than her and Nick's relationship, which I thought was, yeah, Yeah. that was interesting. And it, and it it added a little, and it's what, was worked the most in the beginning before shit all went off the rails was like that sort of character dynamics were at least interesting in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. The, and I thought the movie seemed to give her more of a character just like flat out. Cause yeah. she doesn't really have much of a character in the book. She's not yeah. in a lot of it. And like, it probably wasn't wholly necessary to the story, yeah. but it was nice. Yeah. There's also nothing in the movie about her giving up and getting fat after she has a baby. Mm. So yeah, it was a real, uh, nice one there. <laughs> PKD. Yeah. She also has a, a little bit of spice about her and Nick's relationship when he seems to be cheating on her with, Alanis Morissette. In yeah. the book, she's just like, I, you know what? Do whatever you want. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Because their relationship is basically nothing at that point. Yeah. Which it kind of is in the movie, but she's still. Yeah, she's still. Yeah. Well, upset I like that. It. Yeah, I liked that she had a little spice about it. Like yeah. she she shows up at the bar when they're talking, yeah. which doesn't happen in the book. Mm-hmm. All right, my last thing here. This is a random little thing. So at the end of the book, when uh, PKD is hanging out with Hot Dog Man at the internment camp. <laughs> that's a sentence that's never been spoken before. <laughs> it's one of those sentences that has never in the history of the universe been spoken. Probably. So they're At the end out. of the book, when PKD is hanging out with Hot Dog Man at the internment camp. You're welcome, listeners, for that. <laughs> so so pkd takes out his his one allotted cigarette yeah and hot dog man is like hey will you split that with me and in the book he breaks it in half and hands half of the cigarette to him now in the movie they just share it they like pass it back back which makes so much more sense to me yeah like he breaks it in half and one half wouldn't have a filter is which what don't yeah. cigarettes have to have filters? No, if it's a hand rolled cigarette. But it's not a hand rolled cigarette. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and even like then, a, some people rolled filters into yeah. hand rolled cigarettes depending it's on like the. It's like a yeah. regular like store bought cigarette. You could still smoke it. It just wouldn't have a filter. You'd also probably get tobacco in your mouth because, yeah. like, the, you would, she'd be like the the raw cigarette edge. Yeah, where which you end, broke it would be like shit would be smoke f- it from. 
Do you smoke, you smoke it, from, it from the you smoke it from the front end? Yeah, you'd have to. You'd still get tobacco in your mouth though. Less, 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 less than smoking it from the end that you broke it <laughs> off from. It's but weird. it makes so much more sense for them to just pass, pass it. it back like and that's forth. a thing that people do. Yeah. Share a cigarette, right? By passing it back and forth. Maybe that was a thing in the '60s. People just Maybe broke cigarettes <laughs> in half. But it's not because passing around a joint is a very common <laughs> trope, and passing around a cigarette is is a very common thing. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Maybe breaking cigarettes in half was a thing that people did. But hand rolled, I also feel like would be harder to break in half. Yeah. Because yeah, like, because it wouldn't be like as compacted, compacted and like yeah. And, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Know. I. Maybe people who know more about cigarettes might know particular cigarettes in the 60s. But all right, we got a few things that the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Nick's encounters with Vallis do start out with him seeming to see himself standing in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, and then PKD says that Nick's dream is too ordinary for him to use in a book. Yeah. Which I love. I thought about that. Line. I thought about asking about that line because I thought that was funny. I was like, but then you did, motherfucker. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> we're reading the book about the thing you said was too ordinary to put in a book. It's meta. <laughs> uh, the government does offer Nick money to turn in artists to write anti-American songs. Uh, PKD's house does get raided And the police say that he probably did it himself That I also read was a thing that happened in real life Yeah, I saw your note about oh, that Oh, do I have it? Was it you later? Have it in, you have oh, it in your we'll general notes we discuss it in a second, sorry uh, FAP does want uh, PKD to write up a report on Nick um, Sylvia does cold call at his office looking for a job She like just goes there Which is not a thing you do anymore No, but she also does it <laughs> I, I think it's implied by the time later when we figure out who she is and everything that it wasn't just for the job. Like, right. Yeah. She was trying to, she get, was to, trying him to and, get to him. Yeah. Uh, Nick does have a vision about her mother signing up Fremont to the communist party. That was a weird, such a weird plot point. Yeah, um, I know. And then it never comes back. It never comes back. It never comes back. It's, yeah. Russia does find the Vallis satellite. Oh, we talked about that. I forgot to take it out. That's fine. Sylvia, uh, she initially denies everything that Nick says, and then like later on, she like confirms, mm-hmm. um, and they join forces, and then she info dumps to us about Vallis and Albemuth and Aramchak. That's one of the weaker points of this whole movie. Yeah. It's, it's the same in the book. She just, yeah, she just expositions for like pages. Well, and I don't even mean just this. Throughout the movie, we have so many just moments of exposition yes. dumping. It's it's for a movie that has like weird trippy dreams and all this sort of stuff. They do the weird trippy dreams and then they info dump like what well, they right, think that uh, meant yeah, and, and all that sort of thing. It's the same problem. Like, it's the same problem in the book, and I chalk it up to this being a draft. Yes. Boy, did this ever feel like a draft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we talked about them getting pulled over and arrested. Did we? A little bit, yeah. I mean, we we talked about them getting arrested by FAP, but yeah. they, but it is like they're driving and they get pulled over and yeah, like, get, thrown like thrown in the back of a car. Yeah. Sweet. All right. We got a few odds and ends before we get to the final verdict. My very first note, minute one of this fucking movie was, oof, 
This already looks like I directed it. <laughs> and that was, that was, it was both, um, I will say this, it was both uh, depressing and inspiring. I was like, in weird ways, because I was like, I, this is one of those movies that you see that, uh, this movie has not, not good reviews, but mm. middling reviews. Mm. Um, it's got like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes and like a six out of t- five and a half, six out of, which is not good by right. any stretch, but not like twos and right. threes. Yeah. Um, could be worse. Could be worse. Could be worse. And it had a budget. Like it had not a big budget, but like a like this is a movie. Like this is a real movie. It's got real people in it. Again, mm-hmm. it didn't really get released. It had a bunch of problems and all right. that sort of thing. Lots of issues. But while I watched it, I was like, I could have fucking directed this movie. <laughs> like the 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 look of this film, I was like, I could have done this. <laughs> I would even do a better job now. I'm much more experienced now. But like I was looking at this, I was like, five years ago, I could have directed this movie. <laughs> like I could have directed this movie. Um, which is not a good point for your movie. If it looks if I think I could direct your movie, spoilers, it's, your movie's not good. <laughs> like that's not a good thing. But um, but it also is a little depressing because I'm like, well, I fucking maybe I could have made movies. I don't know. Like when I see somebody make a movie like this, I'm like, maybe I could have been living in L.A. making movies. Who knows? Maybe I just didn't like have the raw confidence to just be like, no, I can make movies here. But then you would never have met me. <laughs> True. And yes, that would be terrible. I'm just saying <laughs> that. Yeah. So my first note in this section was motherfucker they kill the cat immediately. Yes. Which is a big no for me. Is that me. not in the book? No. Well, oh. it, there is a cat that dies, but it's it's much much later. <laughs> okay. And it doesn't die the same way. It like it it's old and it gets sick and Okay. Um, yeah, PKD's yeah. cat in the movie just gets hit by a truck like immediately right at and the beginning. for what? Yeah, nothing. What ever. were we supposed to get from that? What did it mean? Why did they kill the cat? The futility of life and trying to understand this. The, <laughs> trying I don't know. to understand this story. Yeah. Yeah. All the green screen in this movie looks like any movie we've ever done on Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad. It's all so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. It's great. Especially for 2007. Like, ooh, woof. I could I think I could have done equivalent. Uh, green screen CG in 2007. Like, yeah. no, well, maybe not 2007 because I was still in high school, but like 2010, <laughs> 2011 in college on a laptop, I probably could have done equivalent looking green screen <laughs> work. <laughs> and I, it's very, it's very bad for you that that that's the case. <laughs> so I had been saying, uh, pronouncing Vallis. Oh, yes. We talked. So- Imagine my surprise when I turn this movie on and they start saying Valus. The whole time. The whole time. Valus. Yes. They say Valus. And I was like, wait a second. And I'm what? like, I will continue to say Valus. Yeah. That's I why we said Valus the whole review or the whole episode. Because Valus sounds stupid. I agree. Uh, I prefer Valus. I'm going to keep saying Valus. Uh, apparently Sierra Nevada <laughs> beer, uh, paid some money for a, a product placement in this movie. Cause yeah. there's a scene early in this movie where all of them are sitting around watching TV, drinking Sierra Nevada pale ale with the label out. And I was like, I mean, it's good beer. Yeah. At the very beginning, isn't PKD also drinking, uh, 
whatever bourbon it is that we have in the kitchen right now. Oh, Evan Williams? Yeah. Maybe. Evan Williams is very cheap bourbon, so I, I mean, he very possibly. I don't I know. I swear, like, that opening scene where he's typing, I swear it's that same, like, square bottle of bourbon with the black label. Well, Jack Daniels also has the... Ex- okay, so it could Evan be Williams Daniels. is, like, a knockoff Jack Daniels label, like, I think. I don't know which came first. I may be wrong about that. I don't know or care. But, like, Jack Daniels is, like, maybe the most famous bourbon and like right. and looks like widely distributed and it has a very similar label so my guess is would be it's probably jack daniels um but it could could be evan williams evan williams is very cheap like <laughs> not good bourbon uh but sierra nevada pale ale is really good beer so i was like at least they got good taste in beer movie <laughs> well done uh nick has a really uh oofy analogy to columbus yes, did you catch that i did when they're talking about moving to la yeah. and rachel's like well why are you listening to these voices in your head and not like reality and he's like what if columbus had, had listened, listened to all the yeah. naysayers and i'm like oh i don't know why don't we ask like any indigenous person in the americas what if columbus, what had, if given columbus up? had given up boy well, how rough that would have been <laughs> yeah yeah yep uh there's a moment in this movie where they they start hiking through the mountains i think it's pkd and nick and i don't remember what they're doing or where they're oh, going yeah they're just like i think they're just like hiking i can't remember I'm, but I, I am 99 percent sure those are the mountains that we see neil breen crawling all over <laughs> in every neil breen movie i'm if sure you, they are they sure look like it now he's in las vegas i don't yeah. know where they film this movie and he films i think around like in the areas around las vegas but that i mean that's very close to LA it's not far so it wouldn't surprise me if they had filmed it in a similar place um but yeah I was like oh my god it looks like the exact like there's one moment where they're both hiking up this mount like not it's not a mountain but like a you know a rock Mm -hmm. formation and it looks exactly like one of the rock formations that Neil Breen runs down (laughs) in in like fateful findings and I was like (gasps) bad movies and and these rocks (laughs) they just go together (laughs) So, okay. So we talked about uh, the girl with the Jesus fish necklace. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's in both the book and the movie. And it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And Nick has to ask the girl what it is. And there's a moment earlier in the movie that's not in the book where he's like, it's right before he gets hit by the laser beam. And he's like showing PKD like, oh, I've been seeing this symbol. And it's very clearly the Jesus Jesus fish. fish, And I need to know if I just have fucking Midwest goggles, who would not recognize that symbol? I think it's I think it's because of the alternate universe. I guess that's my only guess, because I agree that it makes no sense. Although, to be fair, in reality, I think there was the from what I, I didn't. I read about this on PKD's um, Wikipedia page that he had this experience where he came to the door right, fucking high on something and, and saw this woman with this necklace and was like, whoa, what's that? Um, I can't remember if he didn't know what it was or if maybe he was just so out of his mind on right. drugs that he didn't remember what it was. But in the movie, at least, I wouldn't be surprised if the implication is that he in this alternate universe, maybe that's not a common thing because because. No, but Christianity's like the government, the yeah. state enforced religion. I don't know. But I'm just like, I I, don't like know. even if you don't know, like 
really anything about it, I feel like most people would still see that symbol and be like, that's a Christian right. thing. Yeah. And it, and it is weird because that is one of those moments that does feel like a, a, um, or like a rapturey, like, uh, apocalyptic type yeah. of Christian movie where, where it's like maybe in an alternate universe or not even an alternate universe, but it like it way in the future, like somebody has that Christian necklace and, mm-hmm. and our main characters like, what's that? And they're like, it's like a secret because right. it's like, the, because I think that is one of the, I think that is the story of the fish was that like, it was a thing. That yeah. It was like a thing to identify, identify other Christians or whatever. Christians to other so like Christians. that's, I get that idea. Um, but you're right that in this, in this movie, in the, in the story we got here, we're in a Christian autocracy, like a, yeah. a Christian fascist yeah. nation. And for some reason he doesn't know what that is. It is, it's a little strange. I'm not sure I would understand. Yeah, I'm not sure I get that. Uh, The guy from Brooklyn Mm Nine-Nine that's in this movie, he's in one scene for five minutes, plays a cop with the exact same haircut. Yep. And he, even though he's going for like a hard ass, like a hard (laughs) ass, like, you know, he's like interrogating. He's like a serious cop. He's like a serious cop. He comes across as he's the same character. Like in my head, as I'm watching (laughs) the scene, he's just his character from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I was like, has this guy only ever had that haircut? Yes. I think. I guess. Like, I I guess he has. I mean, probably years, years ago. But like, because I guess this isn't that long ago. Like, it's 2007. And I I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine started in like 2012 or something like that. Something like that. So... Yeah, it's not that far before Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but he's, like, the exact same person and character. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he was in the 13th year also with the same haircut. Really? Remember we watched that video about... Oh, yeah, yeah. We were were like, hey, it's that guy, and he has the same haircut. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Which I haven't seen the 13th year in years but we no, did watch a video I, yeah, about it, was, it recently yeah, Amanda, like the a Jedi video, video essay yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a wild haircut too like such <laughs> yeah. a wild hairstyle and it's just like for that to be your thing i mean i mean he found a he found a look got and he a, went got with a it. thing that works keep yep. doing that thing i guess keep doing it um, we mentioned it earlier, but yeah, he did, uh, PKD did have his, in, in 1971, his apartment or house or whatever was broken into and somebody blew up his safe mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he had found papers missing and apparently the cops thought he did it himself. And I don't know if this has ever been researched and if anybody's ever figured out because literally the Wikipedia article about it is as much information as we get in the movie like yeah. not article but the wikipedia section about yeah. this is as much information as we get in the movie and it's just like it's just really weird that that was a real detail from his life that was infused into this story it was interesting uh so after uh after nick is hit by the laser beam and it, Vallis reveals to him that their baby has a birth defect this is a little weird thing they take the baby to the doctor and they put the baby on the table and yep. then the doctor glances at the baby and is like, we need to order tests right now. Like, what are we supposed to assume that this doctor did? He doesn't glance at the baby. He he, he does a physical examination. Does he? Because it doesn't seem like he did. He, he reaches down and you see him kind of look up 
which is yeah. like the the universal doctor like acting code for like I'm fondling <laughs> a a person. You know what I mean? I say fondling. I mean like right, you know examining. examining. I guess. Um, and, and and I it, guess I, I missed that because I think the thing that happened is some sort. They say it's like a descended testicle or something. like it. Yeah. It's some sort of thing that I think he could feel by like touching. I the, guess I missed that because it see it looked to me like he did nothing yeah. and then was like, well, we don't see him doing anything. <laughs> this baby is sick. Yeah. No, that's fair, but yeah, I think it's implied. Like again, I got the vibe that it, that he was like, like touching and feeling, and was like felt something. Oh, that's not where it should be. <laughs> like, yeah. there's something very bad happening. Fair here. enough. Yeah. Um, this movie's going for a, one thing. I realized towards the end of this movie is how hard this movie wants to be like a David Lynch film yeah. or, or TV show, and just isn't because it doesn't. It lacks the. The warmth or the depth. <laughs> um, <laughs> the gravitas. Yeah. Uh, no, it lacks the 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 dynamic vision that David mm-hmm. Lynch has. Like it's it's yeah. it's just the world's poorest man version of David Lynch, um, which is already can be a little like hard to digest and a little hard mm-hmm. to like sort of parse. Um, like David Lynch at his at his best is is fascinating and interesting and has a lot to say and but it but it can be a little um dense yeah not even dense maybe is the right word but just ah, i don't know uh obtuse obscure whatever um and this is going for that and especially in terms of like some of the the dream sequences and like the the dialogue that we get all feels like it's trying to be it's trying to do Lynch and it's just whoever made the movie is as talented as I am. And spoilers, I am nowhere near as talented as David Lynch. And it's just, it's so obvious what they're trying to do and Mm. failing to do. And it's, I, I couldn't get over how much this movie made me think I could make movies because I'm or, <laughs> again, not this movie wasn't successful, I guess. So I, maybe I couldn't I, I could make unsuccessful, critically panned <laughs> movies. But <laughs> but I was like, it's just it's it's like emulating more talented people. Um, <laughs> really badly, really badly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it felt personally called out by this movie. <laughs> As I was watching this film, I did find myself really relating to Catherine Winnick's character. Just, yes. just smile and nod, girl. Smile and nod. Just smile and nod because none of us understand what's going on. No, not at all. Um, and I, I, <laughs> I always forget. And I say forget, not really forgets the right word, but it is really annoying how obnoxiously pretty <laughs> Catherine She's Winnick very is. Like pretty. There's a couple scenes in particular where it's just like she doesn't look like a real person. And like, I don't know what it was in this. Like, I think it was the lighting in a handful of scenes. It was just like, you don't. That's okay. Calm down. Anyways, it's time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict Before we get there, we wanted to remind you that you can do us a giant favor by heading over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Goodreads, searching for This Film is Lit, and following us uh, on those platforms, uh, because we would love for your feedback, your input, 
You can also send us messages, all that kind of stuff. Most importantly, the thing we always like the most, uh, maybe not for this episode. Well, I mean, you can do it. We would love it, but, you know, maybe we won't get much. Uh, is feedback for our prequel episodes where we go over all of your comments, uh, your opinions on whatever the last thing we watched and talked about was. Um, and we, we, we read all of your comments on the episode, and then we discuss them and kind of banter mm-hmm. about it, that sort of thing. I know we, we say this all the time. Please don't feel like you have to have both read the book yeah. and seen the movie in order to give input. If, even if you've done one or the other, or, you know, in this case, even if you just want to weigh in on anything we talked about. Well, and that's, I think the other thing is that even if you've done neither and you yeah. listen to the episode and there's something we said that you want to weigh in on, that would also be, feel yeah. free to throw that Fantastic. in there. It doesn't have to be something like an original opinion you had about the book or the movie. If something we said sparked an idea or if you disagreed with something not even related to the book, the part where I talked about veganism and babe for 10 minutes, if you want to comment on that, go ahead and <laughs> drop those comments on the on the social media posts. That'll be fantastic because uh, we, we like that that back and forth with the listeners. It's fun. Um, also, you can head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit and support us there for two, five or 15 bucks a month. You get different stuff at every level. You get early access and ad free at two dollars at five dollars you get bonus content uh which most recently we put out a review of shadow and bone i think that was our most recent no uh something Uh, the lord made and then right before that we did shadow and bone uh so put out bonus content every month uh through that five dollar level on patreon which you get access to and then at fifteen dollars you get access to all the rest of the stuff but also you get priority recommendation which is what happened for this episode this is a patron request so we'd like to thank Jeff Niederhofer for recommending Radio Free Albemuth. We didn't love the movie or the book, <laughs> but it was an inter- interesting discussion, and we enjoyed talking about it nonetheless. So thank you for that recommendation, and thank you for supporting us. Now it's time for the final verdict. This is kind of a tough one. <laughs> uh, on the one hand, I don't think this is a good movie. Yep. I, it looked pretty cheap, as we discussed. Uh, the acting's kind of spotty. And I was just really desperately bored the whole time that I was watching it. On the other hand, while the book's initial premise intrigued me, as it carried on, it felt more and more like exactly what we know it is, a first pass at telling a story. Now, I haven't read the Vallis trilogy, and I don't know how it compares to Radio Free Albemuth, but to me, the last half of this novel felt like Dick wasn't quite sure what he wanted to write. Like he was just flinging spaghetti at the wall to see which noodles stuck. Same feeling I had watching yeah. the movie. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And and I think that is one of the dangers of publishing something that's only technically <laughs> finished. I mean, who knows what this novel might have looked like had he done any kind of revisions on it. But as it stands, I found the last half of this book especially difficult to follow. I also really struggled with the religious aspects of the novel. Like, the idea that the members of Aramchek are fulfilling the same role that like Jewish people did in ancient Rome, it was hard for me to read that through any lens other than the Christian persecution complex. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really struggled with that. 
However, I will say that I found most of the book's ideas interesting, uh, and a definite strength that it has over the movie is its more fleshed out version of Nick, which goes a long way in helping tell this story. So for those reasons, I'm going to give this one to the book. All right. Fantastic. Uh, well, like I said, it was a it was an interesting one. It was a tough one because it was yeah. oof. It's it does feel absolutely like like a first draft. Yeah, it's one of those things that just it it it's hard to hard to really have a <laughs> have a concrete and like solid discussion about because I feel like my brain was everywhere <laughs> like trying to discuss it because I feel like while writing it his brain was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and it made, it made it a little bit difficult, but it was still interesting. And, and uh, I, I did enjoy why I actually enjoyed watching the movie. I didn't find it as boring as you did. It was boring at times, but I didn't find it quite as boring as you did. Um, and I, I, I found elements of it really interesting. And I thought it, it again, I cannot get over how much it feels like a first draft. There's good elements. There's yeah. good ideas here. Yeah, really good ideas yeah. that needed more polishing yeah, and needed to just be refined. And I would be interested to see if the Vallis trilogy does refine those in a way that's satisfying or if mm -hmm. it's more of the same, like if it still kind of feels disjointed in the same way. All right, Katie, what do we got going on next? So coming up next, we have something very special. It will be our 100th episode. 100th ep uh, main episode. Right. 100th yeah. property. Proper. Let's say. Yeah. yeah. Main <laughs> episode. So we will be revisiting our very first episode and talking once again about a favorite of both me and you, mm -hmm. The Princess Bride. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, that was a fun idea we had. We thought we would revisit for a hundredth the first episode, uh, and now we're going to do it. We're going to with both of us having read it. Yes. Um, I'm reading it. A uh, rereading it. I actually read it. Yeah, you read it like right after we did the episode. Yeah, not sh not long after we did the first episode, I read the book and I took notes mm -hmm. at the time, mm -hmm. thinking maybe we'll revisit this one day. And so I'm I'm going back through those notes as I'm reading it now and adding more notes and adjusting and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we'll both have reread it uh, for this hundredth episode, and it's just going to be. It may not follow the exact formula that our main. We'll have to. We'll, we're still figuring out exactly yeah, how it's going to be. Since since we're both reading it, it'll probably look more like our summer series. Yes. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where was that in the, or where there's not really a, was that in the book where yeah. there's not a guess who, uh, it's more so just a better in the book, better in the movie, more of a, a free form discussion about the differences and what we liked and didn't now that I've read it. Um, and then just going back through it a second time and mm -hmm. getting that second pass at it. I think it'll be interesting. Um, and it is both of our, one of our favorite movies. So, that will be our 100th episode in two weeks' time. Uh, we have not announced our summer series yet, but we're getting close. So close. So close. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be announcing that summer series shortly, uh, so look forward to that on all the social media. And until one week's time, when we're coming back to preview The Princess Bride for the second time. <laughs> Guys, gals, not binary, everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome.